Let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. His name is James Rapine, and he joins us here on 92.3 The Fan. Hello, James. How are you today? I'm doing well. I haven't seen Oppenheimer or Barbie, but uh, I have a friend watching Oppenheimer as we speak. Uh, I'll report back. Please do. Early reviews. Uh, we had uh, Drew is our new movie critic on the show. He's seen both of them, and uh, he says Barbie was much better than Oppenheimer. He gave Oppenheimer a 6.5. He said Barbie was a, a, a solid 9. He said it was really, really good. Uh, sign me up. I, uh, hopefully. Hopefully that's the case. I'm a, I'm a fan. It looks good. So uh, I would be bummed if Oppenheimer was only a 6.5, though. You know, so. I kind of would, too. I mean, how do you blow atomic warfare? And, uh, I mean, like the Manhattan Project, you're going to make that bad? Like, that, that, right. I, that that's interesting. I could – just talking about it is interesting. Nonetheless, a movie. Yeah, I know. I agree. So uh, hopefully hopefully that 6.5 was just because Barbie was so great that it uh, it took away a little bit of, of what Oppenheimer will be long term. Well, he said there was a really awkward, long sex scene in there. Like, it was like a really, like, it, it dragged on for way longer than it should have been. He also said that there was way too many uh, scenes in courtrooms that just were just, you can't drag on. The movie's three hours long. It's like The Irishman. The Irishman went for, like, it went for seven days. It's like, let's speed this thing up. I don't think anybody, well, let's, let me ask you this, James. Should we start giving breaks for movies, should there be an intermission at the movie theater? Man, it, uh, with some of them, sure. I, I agree. Yeah, I think. Look, the new Avatar too long. I think they could have clipped it and mm-hmm. been fine. Uh, I certainly think that the Irishman was probably two hours too long. Which you go back to, do they need to make this movie? But uh, I watched it, so you know they got me. Um, these long movies, especially like. Yeah, like the Avengers movie. Like, that's a movie that moved, right? Avengers, Infinity War, and then obviously Endgame. But they were really, really long. So if there was an intermission, that wouldn't have been a bad thing. Because instead of enjoying your soda, you're like, nah, I'm yeah. good. We need we need the movie version <laughs> of the seventh inning stretch. It's something to, you know, kind of stand up, you know, shake your body a little bit, check your phone. Maybe make sure that your, you know, your kids and your family are, you know, doing well. Everything's fine, and then uh, you get back for the second half and enjoy whatever you need to be enjoying. I, I get anxiety if I like the only time I, I'm away from my phone for that long is on the golf course. And the golf course, I just put it in the bag and then I don't check it for four hours. But I, I basically let everyone wow. know beforehand. Everyone in my life that is going to care if I'm gone for a four-hour stretch, they know I'm on the course anyway, so we're okay. So you were on the golf course then the other day when DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Titans. That, that that was it because because you you let the Browns know don't make this move and then he just went to the Titans. I got gotcha. you. Do you want to hear my theory on it? I'll tell you my theory. Really sure. quick. I think you'll yeah. like this. I think I think you can appreciate this theory. All right, so here it is. So Deshaun Watson, when he got the twenty two civil cases on him, right, was down on his luck and nobody was in his corner except for one guy in the NFL, James, and that was DeAndre Hopkins. He had 22 civil cases against him, and Hopkins was the only person that was on Instagram posting photos of the two of them together and saying he was still going to be great and saying he was still going to be awesome and to just keep the status quo and everything was going to be all right. He had his, as Bradley Cooper would say, he had his six, all right? And so I think what happened here, I don't think Deshaun Watson's comments publicly matched what he believed privately because DeAndre knows that he's cooked like a rotisserie chicken. That's why he took PEDs at 30 years old, right? He knows he's not good anymore. And so he told, he told Deshaun, listen, 
publicly, you got to you got to talk me up because we're buddies. We're friends. We talk all the time. They, I know for a fact they still text and everything. So you got to you got to talk me up publicly, and then <laughs> privately, you can tell Andrew Barry and everyone, "Don't come get me. I'm going to go to another team. I'm going to get the bag, and I'm just going to just waste out the rest of my career, and I'm not going to impact then you being great." I love this theory. You're right. You read me like a book. Um, <laughs> look, he, even if he isn't cooked, he is cooked because Ryan Tannehill is the one throwing him passes, and that's just not, not the place to end up. So, yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's an interesting theory. Either way, good for him for getting that money. And I still think that the team that really got it wrong, I know I just kind of took a slight shot at the Browns, it's the Patriots. I think they needed another weapon, and that well, was the guy to get, and they did not even – uh, well, they didn't even match so, the money that the Titans were willing to offer. The so, Patriots, the Patriots add another little layer to my theory, in that. Here we well, okay, so <laughs> Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins famously hated each other in Houston. So, like, what yeah. wouldn't have been better than saying, "I'm not only going to go to a team that's going to pay me the bag that I know I'm screwing over in the process, but I'm in turn going to go screw over the guy I hated for years on end in Bill O'Brien." Like, it's just there's so much that could have worked there if he ended up in New England. Yeah. No, I, I thought that was I thought that was the place. I thought they were going to get Hopkins and then make a real push for Dalvin Cook and and try to to scare some people, I guess, with those big name weapons. And they didn't get one of the two, and they worked out Leonard Fournette yesterday. So we'll see. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. I actually kind of like. Job. I, I we're oh, naming, we were we're naming running backs. Naming, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we could have done it all day. Um, yeah. I, so, I, hey, you, you playing that game tells me you don't want to talk about Joe Mixon. Why don't you want no, to talk I, about Joe Mixon? Because I, well, I've, I've spent more time this offseason talking about Joe Mixon than you have Deshaun Watson. Doubt it. So. Doubt it. Yeah, probably doubt it. I'm five I, hours I a night, man. Like, I doubt it. Yeah. But regardless, Joe Mixon's come up a lot, but I'm fine talking about him. What you got? No, I like the deal. I, I, as long as Zach Taylor doesn't do what he did in the first two weeks of the season last year, where he just forgot that he had the best quarterback and the best uh, wide receiver combo in the game and decided to run Joe Mixon 27 times each, I, as long as he doesn't do that, I think it'll be fine. But is this the new – is there a deal that Joe Mixon could make that would pave the way for almost someone like Nick Chubb? And obviously we know Joe Mixon is not Nick Chubb, but taking a contract like that – and I don't know, would you consider it team-friendly or not? I'm not entirely sure. But to stay with the team that he has been with the entire time, to see it through when the good times are, well, he's right in the middle of it right now. Oh, uh, I see. You're saying he might set the precedent for Nick Chubb to take a little team-friendly discount. Team-friendly. There's a lot of incentives here, attached here's, here's the difference. Is one, what did Nick Chubb run for last year? Well, that's, was that's the problem here is that Joe, well, his yards per carry was, it was 5.2 uh, last year. 5.2. Okay. Well, Joe Mixon ran like for four or something, right? Three point nine, yeah. man. Yeah. He was a three point niner, and uh, a lot of his catches, he had sixty catches, but they were checkdowns. So a lot of players could have done that, and you know there were people in the moment thinking that Samaje Piran was as good or as effective as Joe Mixon at times last year. That said, the Bengals did want to keep him. They just didn't want to pay him ten plus million dollars in cash this year, have a twelve point eight million dollar cap hit, and so. This makes sense. It, it does because it keeps them here this year when you're in full win now, let's make a, a Super Bowl run. 
And the other guys that are out there, Dalvin Cook wants too much money. I've been told that, and not, not just me, but obviously it's been reported everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they could have gotten Dalvin for the money they paid Mixon. And the other guys on the market aren't as good as Joe Mixon still. So you would have gotten worse. So I think this is the, the best of both worlds for the Bengals and Joe Mixon. He gets more than he would have gotten on the open market. Days and an offense he's familiar with. Obviously, he's still going to be the starter. At the same time for the Bengals, you save money over $4 million in cap space, which you can use in a bunch of different ways if needed for extensions or uh, other reasons, or just roll it over if you need to. Plus, Joe Mixon's still on notice. If he doesn't perform well this year, well, they'll move on from him before the – it's not the start of the new league year. I think he's due uh, a substantial roster bonus on, like, the fourth day of the new league year. So Mixon's still got to prove it. So I I think it was a really good deal by the Bengals, and I also think Joe's smart for taking it because – he might have been out there and missed all of training camp had he gotten released, and that was the other option. Take this discount and pay cut, rather, or uh, or get released. Was that the biggest offseason controversy for the Bengals? Probably the, the Jonah Williams trade request in, in, in Joe Mixon. I think they kind of tied together hmm. because there were parts of the fan base that said, well, you have Joe, Jonah Williams. Just try to trade him, and then you don't have to move – all right, back out of here on the fan. Let's go and talk to our buddy James Rapine. James, sorry about that. Uh, it's all right. I, where did I leave off? You were talking about Jonah Williams. Yeah, I, I it, you know, fully guaranteed contract. That, that's that's why part of why Jonah's still around. And the other part is it's hard to find offensive linemen. It's not like there's a bunch of Jonah Williams level offensive linemen available right now. And you look at Joe Mixon and. Yeah, there, there might not be many at his level. Alvin Cook would be the one in free agency. But there were other guys out there that could have done most of what the Bengals need a running back to do. So I think they just had more leverage with, with Joe. Is the AFC North the toughest division in football? Yes. I, I don't even know if it's – the AFC East could make an argument, but I, I just took a couple shots at the Patriots for a reason. And they have a question mark, obviously, not just at quarterback. I questions about – just the offensive talent uh, around Mac Jones. And so, yeah, I mean, the one weak link quarterback-wise, I would say, is Kenny Pickett. But at least they got weapons around him and upgraded that offensive line. And so we'll see. There's a question mark about Deshaun Watson, but I'm not going to call him a weak link yet. I know what he did for, for multiple years in Houston and uh, as recent as 2020. So, no, I, I think the AFC North top to bottom is – as good of a division as there is in football. And I wouldn't be shocked if every team has eight or more wins. Like, I think it's going to be really competitive. Yeah, we had Aaron Schatz on yesterday, and he does uh, a lot of simulations. He does 50,000 simulations of the season using his own projections and everything else. And he had every team in the AFC North winning nine-plus games. He also, James, he also had the Bengals neck-and-neck with the Browns, which I'm sure you disagree with. But I haven't heard anyone publicly go down that road, and I think people are scared to do that for a couple reasons. One, because of Deshaun Watson. But I think the bigger thing is that you look at the Bengals' success over the previous couple years, it's very hard to just kind of knock them off their perch without actually seeing Deshaun Watson play. Well, that's the part of it that I come back to. I mean, is Deshaun Watson going to be Joe Burrow? Like, that's that's a lot to ask. And and so if he's close, then, yeah, can the the – the, the Browns be close to that? Absolutely. I think revamp defense, where you bolster that defensive line, you, you have already had an elite player in Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. I, I really like their corners in general, but obviously Denzel Ward leads the, the, the way there. So, 
Yeah, I, I think that the, the defense should take a step forward. And I, I like the trade with the Jets. You bring in another another receiver. It, I think they're fine. You know, roster-wise, they're, they're comparable to the Bengals if Deshaun Watson is a star. And that's the part of it. You know, I, I would still give the edge to the Bengals' skill players, even though Nick Chubb is certainly has the edge at running back and they have an edge at, at tight end as well. But if Watson can be close to Burrow and be the second best quarterback in this division, even second, he doesn't have to be better then the Browns are going to be in the mix. No doubt about it. And they could be better than the Ravens and certainly better than the Steelers. So there's a path for that to happen. No doubt. Uh, so you got to tell the Bengals next time you talk to them, they kind of messed up this whole ring of honor thing. Like I, I, I advocated for Corey Dillon a couple weeks back because I felt like Corey Dillon deserves to be in the ring of honor. He had so many thousand sure. yards, like so many thousand yard seasons. But I, I said, I, I defended the Bengals and here's why. I said, you don't do it when the team is playing good football. You wait until they are back to sucking and then it's like a highlighted moment. Like the Browns waited until one in 31 to put up the Jim Brown statue, right? It gives the fans something to be excited about. But now they put in Ocho Cinco and Boomer when the team has never been better. It feels like missed opportunities by the Bengals. They should have done it when they built the stadium in 2000. That's when they should have done it. Because then Boomer would have been brought back and Ken Anderson would have been brought back. And then they would have been good with Chad and and all these other guys that are still waiting to get in that played in in the 70s and 80s they would have already been in. And so now there's this backlog. That's the thing that a lot of people are struggling with. And they're like, oh, Chad, he's so young. And it's like, so he deserves to be in right now. Right, like, yeah. I, I, Chad should have been in last year, like the first year that you could it's actually It's kind of wild the two of them aren't in already. Yeah, you're, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and so it's, it, it's this weird thing now where there's a pecking order, but it's based on season ticket holder voting. And, and so there's just guys that, that deserve to be in. Corey Dillon, one of them that are going to get in, it's just it might take a little longer than he had hoped. But it's because the Bengals didn't un, you know, roll out the ring of honor until three years ago, and, and that's the big reason why. Well, James, I ran out of time. I was going to give you this whole big, long thing about how Ellie De La Cruz and Shoei Otani should be teammates, but I guess that we're going to have to wait they for should. that. I mean, it's, so, it's right there, James. It's right they there. I, I thought it. I just have no platform to talk about the Reds, but yes. Oh, my God, yes. Trade, make the trade, and they have the prospects, too. I mean, you'd squeeze out Joey Votto's DH time a little bit, and that's fine. You know, and if Steer isn't in the trade, I, is what I'm talking about there. And David Bell would have to manage a log jam at first base if, if that's the case. But those are the good problems to have, Marlo Stanfield. Like, that's, those are the, that's the good stuff. Could you imagine having the, the two most exciting baseball players in the sport on the same team together? Oh, that's – it would excite the fan base like they hadn't been excited since 2000 when they got Griffey. That would be – it would be the same. And it didn't work out for a bunch of reasons. Such a layup for that ownership. You could sell me. You, you could sell me on it. Hey, maybe they should all this money they've been saving. They have such a low payroll, and they do. And I haven't forgot that, even though the Castellinis think I have. Um, <laughs> how about this? You take all that money you've been saving, and you go after him. You you swim in those big waters this off season. They won't. But no, they won't. Know. They won't. But three months was a real possibility. It still is a real possibility. I'm not. I'm not taking my sights off of that one. But I'm also holding on to it for the Guardians as well. Uh, James, tell people where to find all your <laughs> NFL and your Bengals stuff. Allbengals.com, Cincinnati Bengals talk on YouTube, and the Locked On Bengals podcast. Beautiful. Stay killing it on TikTok, and I appreciate you as always. <laughs> Thank you, friend.